week's episode of The Last Burn, we will be discussing Kyle Larson in segment one and the consequences of his actions and his of his words on iRacing, the NFL in segment two with the Titans and their free agency situation, TB12 going to Tampa, the NFL draft, and we'll finish up with a WrestleMania recap. Let's go. As we begin, um, I think it's an important conversation to be had um, about Kyle Larson. And I'm not going to speak on um, specifics about what he said. I'm sure most mo- uh, most of you by now know uh, what he said. Uh, I'm going to s- just speak from the perspective of... Um, reactions consequences and what is what is basically going to happen to him um what has happened to him and the future his future and how it affects the sport um it is it's no question um if you've ever interacted with me i'm a fan of of nascar um i've been a fan my entire life basically um Countless NASCAR races, if you know me, I've been to uh, multiple Brickyard 400s, uh, Daytona 500, Ben Talladega, Bristol. I mean, you name it. If it's if it's a track that's within 15 hours of the Dayton area, I've been there. Um, from that standpoint, um, yesterday and today has been a it's been a bad day for the sport. Uh, I haven't seen the sport on ESPN and forever and it was on first take today i didn't watch uh, i thought jay williams was i saw a highlight of it on on twitter with jay williams um and you know he talked about his frustration how he wanted to you know he, he wanted to punch he wanted to fight and um i'm a white guy so i can't under i can never put myself in Jay's, Jay Williams' shoes on that. Um, but what Kyle said was absolutely unacceptable. And Jay even made a comment about we don't, or how NASCAR made a statement that they didn't um, condone that type of um, insensitive, or I can't remember the exact comment from NASCAR. But Jay Williams called NASCAR out too in their statement. Um, what Kyle said, what Kyle Larson said, was complete racism. The context, like the way he said it, I'm, we're not even going to open that. But um, I thought Jay Williams on ESPN did a good job. It's unfortunate as a fan that the first time Nas- that NASCAR has been on ESPN in forever. I I can't remember last time. Well, minus when they were covering Ryan Newman. At the beginning of the year, um, but before that, I mean, ESPN's been out of the sport. It's a shame that this is the context that they're that it's in. But um, when we look at the consequences, Kyle Larson set the sport back. Um, there are already people out there who look at NASCAR, their fans, in that. Um, in that way 
Um, I would like most people to know that uh, there's a lot of really good quality, high character people that are NASCAR fans. And I think anyone, if you go to a race, you will see most of those great people. Um, another interesting aspect from this, from Kyle Larson's standpoint, I tweeted out as soon as it happened that he should be fired, that he should be let go immediately, um, that he's going to have to work to, to earn a second chance. That's something that's interesting to me because I saw – I saw on Twitter people commenting, oh, he, des- he'll des- he deserves a second chance. No one deserves a second chance. Second chances are earned, okay? And if I go into my fridge, if if my wife asks me, hey, can you make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And I make her a peanut butter and mustard sandwich? That's a mistake. I deserve a second chance from a mistake. What Kyle Larson did was more than a mistake. It's more than just putting mustard on a peanut butter sandwich. Um, he's going to have to earn it. He's going to have to prove. And I don't... Sensitive, sensitivity training. Get out of here. You're kidding me, NASCAR, with that. He needs to take sensitivity training to be able to race again? No. He needs more than that. In his, in his video, he claims that he was raised better. No. No. And, you know, from the sponsorship sam- standpoint, I mean, I mean, McDonald's and Credit One Bank almost immediately said goodbye. And I, I, I tweeted that out as, as, as soon as it happened. I was like, he's done. No sponsor is going to stand by that or stand by that um, type of person. These are corporations. Credit One Bank, McDonald's said we're, we're done. And then the big one yesterday, Chevrolet. And, I mean, Chip Ganassi Racing fired him today, but he knew he was done yesterday. He knew he was done. And I saw another tweet. I think it was on Jeff Gluck. There was a comment on Jeff Gluck that said um, multiple owners were getting calls from sponsors saying, you know, basically, if this ever happens, you're fired instantly. And I'm thinking that the other two sponsors that would probably be making that call is Ford and Toyota. Because at the end, you have your, you know, you have your main sponsors, you have your car sponsors. But at the end of the day, your biggest sponsor is your manufacturer. Is that car that is that has that bow tie on it? It's got that Ford symbol on it. It's got that Toyota emblem on it. And um, it's just a bad day for the sport. Um, it's just it's just been a bad. It's just a bad. It's a bad. It's a bad look. Um, I saw another tweet where someone was blaming iRacing, blaming the platform, and I um, I don't understand how s- certain individuals um, in this situation can look at it and, and and call Kyle Larson the victim. 
Like, he's not the victim. He's not the victim at all. Everything that has happened to him in the last 36 hours, well-deserved. Um, as we look at it as a replacement from the NASCAR standpoint, uh, I think the easy one is Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain. I think he'd be an, an easy fit into that car. I think he has a likable story. I think he has, um, you know, a, a quality to him that um, fans can buy into. I think he's more personable than actually Kyle is. Um, you know, the the watermelon farmer story. Um, I think that resonates with a lot of people. I think it's a cool story, and I think he's on a on an oval on pavement. He's just as talented. I mean, there's not this. There's not going to be a huge drop off in talent from from. Uh, Kyle Larson to Ross Chastain so I from that standpoint I think you know that is not that is one that's available um, I know Daniel Suarez is is inked in with the 96 card this year but I think he'd be an interesting option as well I think he's super talented I think he just you know things just didn't go his way and then um, you know if if Ryan Newman can't get back and Ross Chastain stays in the six don't be shocked if Jamie McMurray comes out and does like part-time booth, part-time not retirement, or part in part-time driving um, with his relationship with Chip Ganassi um, and um, his experience um, with that team. I think that's an easy fit as well in a temporary role if Ross Chastain cannot race right away. But overall, this is a sad day for the sport, and it's unfortunate because the iRacing um, telecasts um, which really have been the only thing on TV, have been really entertaining. Um, minus Bristol last week. Bristol wasn't very entertaining. Um, and that's because those guys, a lot of those guys don't spend a lot of time on iRacing. And because they're not spending a lot of time on iRacing, um, you know, those cars are different than what they're used to driving. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, it is a video, I mean, it's a simulation, but you know it is a video game, and I do like that they got rid of your fast. How many fast repairs you could get when it comes to i racing, and it's great that Junior's in him and he's racing well. And he got he um, he ran third place in the Indy car race on Saturday for i racing that they telecast. I think it's just, I think that part is what is unfortunate because um, i racing has some really good momentum. NASCAR had some really good momentum being in the situation that we're in with the with COVID nineteen, and then it's just super unfortunate that you know we had to have a situation like this, um, and it it just sets the sport back and it brings up that old stigma about the sport and its fans and that's who I feel bad for. I feel bad for the I feel bad for us fans that. You know, we just we want to see the sport succeed, and want to we want to see it successful, and um, you know, it just you have to have someone just um bring all the those feelings back up. It's just super unfortunate. Um, do I think he deserves a second chance? No, I think he has to earn it. I think he has to do more than sensitivity training. Um, I don't think that helps solve the issue at all. Um, like a six-week course on sensitivity and, and being sensitive to others, that that that's just BS to me. I think it's 
I think there needs to be more. I think he needs to sit out. I think he needs to really feel the consequences and the effects that, you know, his words not only had on, you know, his, his himself, but his career and his team and the employees and his sponsors who, you know, buy into you, these corporations that invest in you and, you know, put their, they put their brand on you. It's, it's just, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. Um, it should never happen. And, you know, we'll see if he earns that second chance um, down the road. He's going to, he's got a long way to go. Um, but we'll see. So as we transition to our next segment, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to really dive into, um, you know, the the landscape of the NFL, landscape of what's going on in um in the NFL. I'll talk about I'll talk some about my Titans, the situation there. Um, we'll just really just break down and unpack some things going on, give you my thoughts, and um, we'll be right back on the last burn. Welcome back to the last burn. Let's start off and let's jump in with some NFL topics. So from the Titans free agency standpoint, I th- you know, I think it's been an okay free agency um, off season. It's going to be really inter- interesting what happens with the draft here in a week or two, here in about a week um, with this virtual draft because of the situation we're in. I hope they really break down and give, give the teams more time to pick. Uh, that's something that would be important to me. But from the Titans standpoint, you know, they picked 29th in the draft. Um, they have seven picks, but four of those picks are in rounds five and seven. They have a fifth round. They have three seventh-round picks. It's time to back out of that, that 29th spot. Um, you know, this this draft has – if you want to draft a receiver, some people are saying receiver. I wouldn't go receiver in the first round. I would probably go corner um, or offensive tackle. Um, or edge, um, depending on who's available. Um, but from that standpoint, I think there's been a lot of talk because the Titans have not made a big splash, like with a free agent. I mean, but you do have to understand, though, that, you know, Derrick Henry's back. He's signed his franchise tag. Um, he's going to get a, long, a long-term deal from three to four years. It's going to be very interesting what type of deal he signs with the deal that Christian McCaffrey just signed. In my personal opinion, um, Christian McCaffrey is a different type of back. He's still a running back, but I think he is a little more valuable than Derrick Henry just because of his um, ability and his capabilities to catch the ball out of the backfield. Not to diminish what Derrick Henry does. I just think they're apples to oranges when we're talking about running backs. I still think Derrick Henry's worth anywhere from 11 to 12.5, million per year. I think that would be a nice little starting point. Um to get the deal done he's getting 10 million dollars this year he's only made 5 million in his career so i think that's kind of from the standpoint that he has to sign that franchise tag he's only made 5 million dollars he's going to make double what he's made his entire career this year and i think he'll get a long term done and then they got the they got a deal done with Ryan Tannehill i mean you can't blame him there you can't fault him you can't go at him because i mean from this standpoint they locked up their quarterback they locked up their running back um, they're going to have, from the AFC title game, they're going to have um, every all of their offensive players um, will have been on the team last year. 
and I mean, because Dennis, Dennis Kelly's going to right tackle. The Undertaker, by the way, what a great nickname. The Undertaker going to be playing right tackle. Um, and he's solid. Um, he's not great, but I think he is, I mean, I think he's more than, I think he's probably a top 16 right tackle in the league. Um, you know, if they want to draft one to develop, cool with me. Um, but I think from that standpoint, when it comes to this team, um, they are in a really nice position offensively. If you think about how slow it was last year when Marcus was starting and how things just got clicking, I think a standpoint that people really have to start thinking is like there's a bunch of new coaches who are not going to have an opportunity to actually work with their teams in early mini camps and, and off season stuff because of the COVID-19 situation. So um, this team already has a lot of rapport together. They already have a lot of chemistry on offense. And I think it, um, from that standpoint, that is going to be very helpful as they begin their transition as this season starts because they've already been in this situation. And everyone, on, like we said, everyone on that team on offense is coming back. From the defensive standpoint, it is a huge blow to lose Jarrell Casey. Um, it's It was a salary dump. Uh, there's no other way to describe it. It sucks um, to get to have to, tra- to trade a player of his caliber, of his talent, who is still at playing at a, you know, at a at a top tier level. Not elite player, but I mean, just as solid and consistent and available as it gets. Um, and you know, to only get a seventh round pick, you know, when we talk about the value of it it's a salary dump at the end of the day. Um, there is one big wild card in this whole Titans free agency situation. Um, they are, it is well known. The Titans are fully invested in Jadavian Clowney. Um, Jadavian is that last piece could be that last piece, you know, and they signed Vic Beasley as well. Could be that last piece that this team needs to take that next step. Um, he's not getting twenty million. He's he may not even get seventeen million a year. Um, if the, I think if the Titans could get him for less than seventeen million a year, that would be a home run. Um, and then you know you look at the possibility of what maybe Logan Ryan comes back. Um, I would be all in on one of those two players coming back, um, or come Logan coming back or Jadavian Clowney join the team. They are they are both just outstanding. Logan was tremendous last year. I mean, he's been tremendous since he became a Titan. He's just been a consistent, um, solid player. He's smart. I just think he's just a, the perfect type of player that you want on your team. Um, and, you know, Malcolm Butler's coming back. I mean, he was he was playing really well last year. He played really well the year before down the stretch for he, um, his first year in Tennessee. And then last year, you know, he's playing well and he got hurt. I think – I think – I like the direction the team's going. Um, a couple of areas that they clearly need still. They, there's no second running back. Um, they got to fill that position. They got to find someone who is, um, you know, who just compliments Derek, who um, can can move the chains, can catch the ball, um, can can run outside the tackles, inside the tackles. Just a complimentary back to Derek Henry would be really nice and you know 
say you draft a say you draft a J.K. Dobbins in the second round. You know, if, if you can't get a contract situation worked out, then you have another back there that you feel confident about um, the following year. So I really like the situation of this team. Um, I love the way John Robinson um, worked the contract of Ryan Tannehill. I mean, yeah, it feels like a lot of money right now, but I mean, the cap's just going to keep blooming. And as you transition later, yeah, that top five, eight, whatever number quarterback he is right now, he's like it'll be like fifteen or twenty. Because you got to think, um, Holmes and Watson are going to get forty million dollars a year here soon. Forty million dollars a year. So I think it'd be. It's just. Um, I think it's a really good deal. Um, from that standpoint of how much he's going to earn per year. Um, another news in the NFL, Tom Brady, free agency, um, leaves New England. I think we all kind of saw the writing on on the wall here. You know, there was speculation of, is Tom going to go to Tennessee, back to New England, Tampa Bay, Chargers? Um, I think it's pretty clear why he went to Tampa. And that is because of, I mean, that team is just loaded with weapons. Um, the, when you when you break it down, they have, I mean, they have Mike Evans, they have Godwin, they got both those tight ends. I, th- I mean, they're gonna, they have Bruce Arians. They're gonna they're gonna draft a, a, a tackle. They're gonna get some offensive line help. They're gonna they're gonna be competitive. Um, and if, if you look at that division, you know, Carolina's rebuilding. Um, you know, the way the Saints have lost the last three years, I mean, think about it. This is the issue. With, I mean, it, it's actually a, a testament to Sean Payton and his staff with the Saints because the way they have lost the last couple of years with the Minneapolis Miracle and then the the blown call in the Rams game and then just, just – you know, just the Vikings just taking it to him last year at home. I mean, that is emotionally draining. It is just absolutely emotionally draining. I mean, so from that standpoint, I think it's it's interesting um, that you know Tampa's coming in, and then, and then you have Atlanta. Atlanta finished seven and nine, six and two down the stretch, and um, I picked Atlanta last year to actually win the division. Um, I I. They're all, they always let you down. No matter what, whether it's 28-3 to three or it's going 7-9 after starting 1-6, one, one um, there's no other – Atlanta just finds a way to, to let you down. They always do. And um, they did that again last year, but I mean, they, have a, they have a good team. Um, you know, Todd Gurley's coming in. It's going to be interesting how, how that works. I actually think it's a really good fit with – um, how they're playing, how they like to play. Um, but I think, I think there's, I think Tom, Tom's going to come in, you know, with the extension of an extra wild card team. I think there's no reason why they can't play or they can't, they can't make a playoff run um, in the, in the NFC. The, the one reason I thought that Tom might not go to Tampa is because Tom just doesn't seem NFC to me. Like when I think of Aaron Rodgers, I think of, I think of NFC. Uh, it's just, it's just, I don't know, maybe just the way my brain works. Like Brett Favre, 
think of NFC. Even though he played the Jets that one year, he doesn't seem like an AFC quarterback. You know, Peyton Manning, AFC quarterback. Joe Montana, NFC quarterback. And then he went to Chiefs and it's just like, eh. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just It was just kind of weird. And plus, the NFC, I mean, the NFC is kind of, it's kind of stacked. You know, that that's the other reason I was kind of shocked that he went to Tampa. I thought the char and then, and then when you think about the Chargers, you know, does he really want to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year? So, I mean, I think the the clear reason he went to the went to Tampa is because of the team and the roster and the weapons that they have. Um, he's living in Jeter's house, so that's interesting that he's living with Derek in, in Derek Jeter's house and how that deal all came together. Um, but then, I mean, so I think it's a really good fit. I think they're going to be viable have a chance to win the division, um, and they'll be a playoff team. And that's just what Tom does. It's going to be an interesting challenge. And on the backside, you know, what 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 are the Patriots going to do? Uh, the Patriots are, I mean, they don't have, you know, it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Brady and Belichick separately. Um, I think they both want to prove that they can do it separately, and there's no problem with that. That's not a bad thing. Um, but from the draft standpoint, um, Joe Burrow is the consensus number one draft pick. Um, not in my opinion. I I think two is the best quarterback in the draft. And then, so like, I'll give you my, my quarterback big board. Okay. The burn big board, we'll call it. The burn board. Oh, that sounds even better. Here we go. Burn board. Top of my head. Um, quarterback rankings for this draft. One is Tua. I'll get. We'll just do five. One is Tua. I think he is um, the best pure quarterback in this draft. I think he has played the most consistent, good football, great football. He's played great football since he took over Alabama in the national championship game. Then next we'll go with um, this. Maybe a little bit of a hot take. Um, Jordan Love, I think when you look at Jordan Love, when he had a good coach, when his coach was there, his uh, not not this year but last, I think he was he was good. He was great. I mean, the, the kid can do everything you want someone to do with the football. The ball just comes off his fingers effortlessly. There's no talent at Utah State. You have to take that to account when evaluating him. There's no talent there, okay, besides him. Um, and then – Three, we'll go, we'll go Joe Burrow. Um, I don't like a lot of things about Joe Burrow. Okay, let me put that out there. I think he's. I, I like. I, I don't. I said that wrong. I like a lot of things about Joe Burrow. Okay. Um, I I've watched him do a couple of interviews, and I don't like. Um, I I, I he just kind of rubs people the wrong way. It seems like, um, from the franchise QB perspective. Almost a little bit. I think it's a little worse than Baker Mayfield, and that that aspect bothers me um, because you know a year ago he's a third, fourth round pick projected, and he's accurate. I'll, I'll tell you that he's accurate with the football. Um, he doesn't have an elite arm. I mean, he has, I'd say he has a really good arm. I don't think his arm is as strong as Tua's. I don't, it definitely isn't as strong as uh, Jacob Eason's or Jordan Love's. Um, so I think that is why I would put 
Burrow three because I think that Tua has the best chance, if he stays healthy, to have the best career and the highest potential. I think that Jordan Love has the possibly the highest upside if he goes to the right coach. Um, and also, you have to, I'm, you got to take into account Joe Burrow is more than likely going to go to Cincinnati, and they're a dumpster fire. I mean, if you look at what that franchise is when when Marvin Williams – or sorry, Marvin Williams. Whew, Tar Heel. When Marvin Lewis is not there, they are an absolute dumpster fire. He, they are the worst team when he takes over, and then they draft Carson Palmer, okay? He leaves. The season after they leave, they go back to being the worst team. And all scattered throughout his tenure in, in Cincinnati are nothing but playoff, going to the playoffs. I mean, that is better than – and that's during a time where you're playing the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who won, what, three Super Bowls? They won – no. Four. Well, the first one that the Ravens don't count. They won three Super Bowls since Marvin Lewis was there. He's playing those teams. Think about that, okay? Um, the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals are a dumpster fire, and that is the worst place for Joe Burrow to go. Um, four, Justin Herbert, um, strong arm, athletic kid, and um, my concerns with Justin Herbert are the same concerns that turned out to be true about Marcus Mariota. And um, in that system, um, it's it's just, you know, it's it's hard to evaluate quarterbacks. I love Marcus. Um, Marcus Mariota will forever be my favorite quarterback. But you just, I just, you just worry about, you know, can he stay healthy? Um, is, it, is he a one-read quarterback and things like that? And then the, the fifth quarterback may surprise some people. Um, but I think if Jacob Eason goes to the right the right team, the right organization, the right coach, I think he can be an absolute home run. I mean, he does everything. I mean, he's, he's got the strongest arm in the class. He's got – I mean, he, he's he's built the way he wants to. But, I mean, he needs coached. He needs, he needs to sit a year and he needs to sit back and – you know, figure some things out. This is my best scenario for the coming up right now for the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, let's lay this out for you. The Bengals need players. They do. It's true. It's true. And you know what? Say the Bengals do have Burrow graded the best on their on their board. Okay. Well, if if Joe Burrow goes to that team, he's not the most athletic kid I've ever seen. They don't have a good offensive line. Uh, he's gonna get he's gonna get killed. I mean, they're going to ruin his career because they can't protect him. Any chance of the kid have that the kid has of being good is gone if they can't protect him. So this is what I would do if I'm Cincinnati. I'm calling Miami. And I'm saying 5, 18, 23, and a mid-round pick. Third, fourth, fifth, just throwing in. You come up from five, you take Joe Burrow. If you want him, then now you move back to five. Then you take, then you can get Tua. Because the teams in front of you aren't. They're, they're not making that, they're not trading up for Tua. 
okay? The, the Chargers will have to jump you to get the three. I don't think they're going to do that. I think the Chargers are going to stay put. They don't want to give up what they have. Chargers will stay put. They'll take they'll take Herbert. Then you get the Bengals now have Tua at five. They have two extra first-round picks where they can rebuild their offense. And here's the best part. Andy Dalton is still under contract. Andy Dalton starts. He's, he's serviceable. He is absolutely serviceable. Andy Dalton starts this season. You get another top five pick next season because you won't be that very good. Won't be ve- that very good. Does that make sense? You won't be that very good. You won't. Huh, I don't know. You won't be very good though. So now you're at top five pick. You don't know. I mean, there's a chance that you could be top three with two quarterbacks, with two quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields coming out, who are going to be wanted. You can trade back and get more picks to to build around Tua. You got that. And, I mean, if if Tua's hip don't check out a whole in a whole extra year off, I think it's I think it's a no brainer. Bengals fans really dislike Andy Dalton. He's not that bad. He really isn't that bad. There, it it could be a lot worse. I mean, it could be like Mitchell Trubisky bad. Think about that, Cincinnati. You know, it could be Blake Bortles bad. I mean, Andy Dalton is not that bad of a quarterback. So that is my dream scenario for um, the Cincinnati Bengals and what they can do to um, to rebuild their franchise, their dumpster fire of a franchise. And as we finish this segment, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to quickly recap WrestleMania. We'll be back. All right. WrestleMania this year was interesting, to say the least. Um, You know, kudos to WWE and Vince McMahon for, you know, just giving us something to to watch. And for two nights, it was something to look forward to. It was entertaining um, and different. Um, it, it was hard to, it was hard to get into some matches. Um, and some of the matches were really good. You know, I really enjoyed, for example, for example, first, let me, let me say this. Anytime Charlotte wrestles, I'm locked in. She is, she could be, she is the greatest women's wrestler of all time. There is no question about it. Rick said on um, Stone Cold's podcast um, that in the Broken Skull sessions that she's better than him. I don't know if she's there. I mean, Rick Rick Flair was so great, so great. I mean, just oh my gosh, you you can't even explain how how just great he was when we talk about you know entertaining and being a great worker. Um, but she is so good. And she's so damn athletic. I mean, it is it is insane what things she can do in the ring. And I, so I loved her her match, and Rhea Ripley was great too. Um, Edge and Randy Orton was 
phenomenal. Maybe a little too long, um, but I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was everything that Randy and Triple H should have been from WrestleMania 25. Um, you know, this int- they had that intense build up, and you know, Randy punting Steph and punting Vince, and and then they had this regular match. And I think they righted that wrong at WrestleMania 36 with uh, this last man standing match, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and entertaining, and Edge looked great, and um, took some bumps, and Randy took some bumps, and um, there was a little bit of controversy in one part, but I mean, um, it's wrestling. And but I just I absolutely loved the um, the that match, um, the best match of the weekend. Um, well, before we get to my favorite match of the weekend, which I'm sure you can get. Um, you know, Bray Wyatt and John Cena, tremendous. The storytelling involved in that Firefly Fun um, Funhouse match, which was which was incredibly different. But at the same point, you know, we it, they needed different. They had to go a different route. They couldn't. You excuse me, hiccup. You can't keep going the same way that you do. You know, with no audience, you know, you gotta you gotta up the entertainment value. And I thought it was entertaining. Would I like to have seen some more physical confrontation in that match? Absolutely. That is the only thing I would change. I would like to have seen, you know, some physical confrontation between John Cena and The Fiend. But it was good. It was entertaining. And that's what you have to take away. Was this entertaining? Okay? And then the best match of the weekend was a Boneyard match. The storytelling in that was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it is... The Undertaker has now main evented four different WrestleManias in four different decades. Think about that. That is absolutely fascinating. But, I mean, when we talk about this, I mean, um, the match was just pure entertainment. Gallows, Anderson in it. Um, Styles doing a phenomenal job. AJ Styles, all he does does is just raise the level higher. Um, And then, I mean, The Undertaker felt... He felt like he was back. You know? I mean, just the, the vocals, the trash talk. Um, you know, that's just something we haven't seen in a long time. And it was it was good to see. And then riding on the bike. And I thought it was just a phenomenal piece of entertainment. Um, a little, couple lows of it. You know, it's just hard to get into Braun Strowman and Goldberg. It, it was just wasn't very good. And when I watch Goldberg, it's just, it doesn't do anything for me anymore. Um, unless he's in the ring with someone like Dolph Ziggler who can, you know, who can elevate him. Like, like at SummerSlam. I think that's when that was. Um, you know, or from the standpoint of, you know, Brock's match with Drew McIntyre. You know, it, it those, those matches need, they need fans. Because they're so, they're so fast, they're so quick, they're so intense, they're so, um, abrupt. It, it, it just, it, they need the fans. Hopefully we can get to the point where we have fans soon. But before we leave, I do want to give my Mount Rushmore of WWE superstars, and I've been having a really hard time with this um, because I feel like there's, I'm you're going to leave people out regardless. And and here's my philosophy with this: if I put in Stone Cold, I have to put in The Rock. If I put in The Rock, I have to put in Stone Cold. Just just because I feel like you cannot tell the story of The Rock without telling the story of without without Stone Cold being in it. And you cannot tell the story of Stone Cold without The Rock being in it. Um, and we're just doing wrestlers only because clearly Vince would be in it. But from a pure wrestling standpoint, okay, 
and this part may be controversial. I'm going to leave off Hogan. Um, and and that's so tough to do. I mean, I mean, he would be five. Ric Flair's number one. I mean, just one of the greatest workers of all time. The greatest worker of all time. I think if you ask most wrestlers, they would tell you Ric Flair is the best of all time. I'm going to put in Stone Cold. And I want to put The Rock. And I know I just went on this rant about, see, this is this is where it gets so tough. Because if you're going to put in Stone Cold, I, I feel compelled to put The Rock in. You know, be, because of that. So, so let's break this down, okay? One is Flair. Two is The Undertaker. Probably the best gimmick, the best gimmick of all time, plus the, 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 the worker he's been for so long. That means we have two spots open, okay? I'm going to run through some people in my head who I think are more than deserving of a spot. Hogan is deserving of a spot. Cena is deserving of a spot. Shawn Michaels is deserving of a spot. Shawn Michaels might be the greatest performer ever. Okay. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go against what I think I should do. I'm gonna separate my emotion out of it because my emotion wants to put Stone Cold and The Rock in. Okay. So we're gonna put Stone Cold at three. Because I felt like I feel like Stone Cold absolutely was so critical in a time when they needed it. A little more so than The Rock. And so that leaves us with a four spot open. Okay? So, we have Flair, Undertaker, Stone Cold. And we have a fourth spot open. And in my opinion, you can go a couple ways. But I think, in my deep down, in my soul, as much as I want to put the rock in because I put Stone Cold in, I think from a pure performer standpoint and what he's done, I think John Cena is my fourth on my Mount Rushmore. And let me explain why. He has absolutely carried the company for. He carried it for almost a decade, maybe even a decade plus. Um, and you can only say a couple guys have done that, okay? I think that he is more than deserving of being in the Mount Rushmore. So, as, and so as I sit here, and I know I'm going to get killed for this, I I made a Mount, Mount, my Mount Rushmore, and I left off Hogan. I left off Michaels, and I left off The Rock. Because in my opinion, the four greatest WWE superstars are Flair, Undertaker, Stone Cold, and Cena. That's just my opinion. You tell me yours. Join us next week on The Last Burn. And send your requests in to me um, via Anchor. Anchor is a great resource, great way to podcast. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Like, subscribe, give us some feedback. We greatly appreciate it. Have a good night. We'll see you soon. 
Welcome back to this week's edition of The Last Burn. This week, Zach and I will break down some of the NFL draft, and we will just go everywhere that you think that we don't need to go, or we need to go. Check us out, like us, subscribe, at The Last Burn. Thanks. Let's roll.